Good morning, everybody, and welcome to episode three of the In All Kinds of Weather Forecast podcast. My name is Dustin Smith, and I am back after a one-episode absence. Speaking of which, Casey Hampton isn't able to join us due to an increasingly busy work schedule at Georgia Tech, but we hope he'll be back for our next episode. We do have on board for tonight's episode in all kinds of weather, founder and lead writer, Neil Schumann. How's everything going, Neil? Doing well, man. Uh, good to be back on the airways with you. We've been out for a while. Uh, folks, we do apologize for the long layoff. But since we were off for so long, we figure it's only right that we return with a bang. And we're pretty confident we're about to do that. Not only do we have a special guest book tonight, but we've got not one, but two former Florida Gator first team All-Americans wow. lined up on future shows. So yeah, Wow is right, Dustin. I didn't even tell you about that. So I just broke news to you too. So listen to what we've got planned for you tonight, but definitely stay tuned for that as well. You know, it's, it's definitely good to be back with a bang. I know that it's, it's been at least a few weeks uh, since we've done an episode. We are very pleased to bring on a former player from an opponent. Um, some would consider this school to be an up-and-coming rival. This guy had a bit of history antagonizing the Gators. He was a linebacker on the 2018 Kentucky team that broke the streak against Florida in the swamp. What a calamitous game for Gator fans. And uh, this guy is celebrated uh, by going full-on stone-cold Steve Austin in front of the cameras. More relevant to our discussion tonight, he is the guy that made waves for apparently twisting Florida quarterbacks Kyle Trask's ankle in last year's Kentucky game. If you still haven't figured out who this person is, you're about to do so. We've got the one and only Cash Daniel on our show tonight. Cash, welcome to the show. Hey, man. Thank you guys for having me on, man. I'm excited. It's so good to have you on, Cash. I know that you're essentially stepping into enemy territory. So with that, I just want to say that, you know, it, it definitely takes guts to come on this show. Mm -hmm. um, I know you and Neil have gone back and forth on Twitter. Uh, he's gone after you pretty savagely. But we're all about civility today. Yeah, Cash, welcome to our show. Uh, we're definitely glad you agreed to do this. To echo what Dustin had to say, um, you know, say what you will about someone, but I do gain a lot of respect for people who are not only willing to you know, face the music for past actions, but to do so in the lion's den, so to speak. I mean, you've been interviewed by Kentucky Media, which is like a home field advantage for you. And you've done interviews with the SEC Network and Saturday Down South, and those are kind of neutral fields. But as far as I'm aware, this is your first interview with a rival team's media. Is that right? Absolutely. Uh, I don't think we would have been allowed to do this, uh, you know, in school or anything like that. So, um, yeah, this is definitely, you know, uh, you know, as Dustin said, you know, entering enemy territory. But, uh, you know, man, the way I look at it is, you know, I've been in enemy territory my whole life, you know, no matter where I go. All right, so it sounds like you're well prepared here. Um, so we're going to get into the main topic momentarily. We all know what it is. Uh, it's, it's no secret that Dustin and I were both pretty irritated with what Cash did to Kyle Trask. Yeah, you know, the whole thing of Florida was. 
Yeah. Well, you know, as, as Terrell Owens once said, that's my quarterback. And yeah. I've been, you know, I've been very vocal about my displeasure of that incident, but this no, is I'm a gesture sure. of goodwill. So we're, you know, we're always very appreciative when guests are willing to come on, be it a Florida Gator, be it a Kentucky Wildcat or, you know, anyone else. So our rule as always is we keep it respectful, but we keep it real. So just want to establish that before we get going. Uh, with that said, Dustin, you are the host, so you get to kick us off by asking the first real question of the night. Let's get on it. Awesome. Thanks, Neil. So I thought we'd lead off the show with establishing some of the goodwill that you talked about before. So, Cash, we'll warm up with something a little easy as we work into our way into some of the hard stuff. So this is something that we, that we can't have you on and not ask you about. You were on that Kentucky team that broke a 31-game losing streak to the Florida Gators. How much did breaking that streak mean to you, and where does the game rank among all your memories at Kentucky? Man, uh, that night and that game was, uh, you know, it, it was something that, you know, it, it felt as soon as we got to the stadium, it just felt different. I don't know what it was. The, I don't know if it was less humidity with it being a night game. I don't know if it was um, something you could just tell, or I could tell when when I walked in, you know, the stadium, that something was different about that night. And, you know, the camp that we had had uh, all throughout that fall camp and how dialed in we were and how really, really how tight that group really was, not just as, you know, um, you know, on the football field, uh, you know, we were tight in the locker room, tight off the field. And, you know, we were the definition of our brother's keeper. You know, we always had our brothers back no matter what. And uh, we always tried to find time, you know, outside of football to spend time with each other because we thought, and it, I believe it truly works, that when you spend more time with your teammates off the field and you get to know your teammates more, you get that special bond that when you go into – uh, an intense, an intense college football season, and having to go into the swamp like that, um, you know that it's just that bond that you know that no matter what happens in the game, adversity is going to hit, but we got each other because that's all we need, because we got each other. And um, you know, and, and man, I played, I, I actually played that game. Um, I played that. I played my whole two seasons. The whole my whole two seasons as a starter, bro. I mean, I've I've played injured every single game. I mean, there's not. There's probably two or three games I've played at 100% or not having a nagging injury to deal with. So a week before uh, fall camp ended, I was simply stretching with some bands, and I guess I did something with my leg uh, or tried to move too quick or something, and I had a pop in my lower right back. And I had to go get an MRI and everything, and I was like, are you serious? Like, I was thinking everything worse in the world, like, you know, you spent two years busting your ass on special teams. You did this, you did this, and now it's going to be taken away from you. I get there, it's a um, – not a slip disc, but it's – I can't remember what exactly what they call it. Uh, uh, something where my disc was poking out, not a, exactly slipped. Uh, but you could tell that it had been taking some damage. And so, if you look back at that game, I remember the hit I had on Felipe uh, rushing the quarterback. I think it was early in the game. I look like a 75-year-old man running, uh, you know, run, trying to rush the quarterback. I mean, because my back was there just like. <laughs> and, 
But, you know, it, it, that night was just something different to where, you know, we were all dialed in and we were all, you know, uh, so focused on what on the task at hand. And it was such a um, – it was a great game, man. I mean, it was it was back and forth, you know, all the way through. And, you know, that was the top – that's what you that's what you play SEC football for, man. I mean, that was – that was that environment that you want to be in, that hostile environment, and that's the kind of team that you want to play, you know, with, with somebody that's respectable and, you know, with a rich history, you know, in college football like Florida. So, I mean, yeah, and the thing about it was we didn't really even mention the streak that much throughout the week. Really? Yeah. You didn't really, you really didn't mention it. We, I think Coach Stoops mentioned it on Monday, and that was it. It was more like a F the streak. I mean, we're just going to play Florida. You know they're you know they're game two on the schedule and you know that's what we're, that's what we got to go do, and so um, yeah I mean it was a great game. Lynn played unreal. Our offensive line blocks you know terrifically. Benny ran the ball hard. Terry made some great decisions. You know Josh played his ass off uh, with that strip sack to, to end it. Our DBs came up big. You know with with Darius having that pick in fourth quarter. You know and it was just an un, it was just an unreal game, man. And the feeling of it was. You know, after we had won, I mean, yeah, it, that was it was it was always in the back of our mind. I mean, don't don't sit there and get me wrong that we weren't thinking. You know that we didn't know what was uh, what was at stake. Like you know, we knew what was at stake, and that was always in the back of our head. But it wasn't the forefront of our simple motivation. You know what I'm saying? And um, so when it finally, you know, when, when we did, you know, it was um, you know the back of it, it. It came from the back of the mind to the front of the mind, and you know we celebrated and we had a great time and. Uh, you know, had a great plane trip home. And so, yeah, it was uh, overall just a, you know, it was something that, you know, I'll never forget. And definitely it ranks, it ranks in there with, uh, in the top two, top three, you know, I'm not, I'm winning a, winning the Citrus Bowl against Penn State, uh, you know, with a, a national powerhouse like that. And, you know, everybody had us picked to lose and nobody picked us to win. I mean, we had some people pick us to beat Florida that year, but, I mean, we had nobody picking us to, to beat Penn State that year. And, um, you know, and just going out there and doing it with the guys that I did it with, um, you know, it was more so of, you know, the journey and, the, you know, everything we went through together and winning that game, you know, with each other for the, for the last time we're going to step on the field together. Um, you know, that was something special. And, um, you know, if, if you look back, there's a – in one of my uh, one of my hot man videos is basically what I'm known for. Um, you know, I talk. I, I always talk from my heart. You know, no matter no, nothing's ever scripted. You know, when I'm out there talking to my teammates or anything like that. And I was like, hey, after this 60 minutes is up, man. I said, it's over. I said, these guys like this team ain't going to be the same. Guys are going different places. So whatever you got to do, you know, battle for your brother right here. And, you know, we went out and we played an unreal, an unreal game and um, finally got Coach Stoops that bowl victory, and it felt really good. So, real quick, though, tell us about the Stone Cold Steve Austin celebration. Let me, I, know, I know a lot of Florida fans got pissed off about that, but let me tell you this, it was a lot <laughs> better than my original idea. Yeah. Which was? Which was? What did you want to do? Idea, my original idea was to Baker Mayfield, y'all, and go out there and stomp that flag right in the middle of the gator head. But I was like, ah. you know what? <laughs> Um, that would literally cause a riot, and I, I, I just want to get back to Kentucky and party. Like, I don't want to – and plus, that was Baker's thing, you know, and didn't want to be, want to be no copycat. But, yeah, um, you know, st the Stone Cold Celebration, man, it was 
I'm just a big wrestling fan growing up, man. And, yeah. you know, the I was in the – when I started watching wrestling, it was the toward the end of the Attitude Era, you know, with Stone Cold and The Rock and DX and all that stuff. And, you know, just in that time period, and I would go back and watch, you know, from the 90s – from 95 to 99. And, um, you know, just the attitude, you know, that Stone Cold had. And, and I tried to implement that as a, as a player, you know, just uh, – just as something to get me going, you know, or yeah. something that, you know, that I can, you know, use on that field to, in my mind to just say, hey, you are the baddest mother effer out here, you know, and this like, and things like that. Because, like, I mean, I'm, I'm weird, man, when it comes to football and mentalities. I mean, we'll get into that, obviously. But, you know, I mean, I always took it to to a point to where I just wanted to be – the more that I – the more intense I was and the more – you know, battle focused I was like he was coming out there and not taking no shit from nobody and yeah, you know, doing his own thing, man. And I mean, that, that was just something that you know that invited me into that kind of uh, kind of world. And um, you know, he always had the celebration of just smacking the beers together and putting them up. And I mean, I, that's just badass in general. I mean, nobody else out there doing that stuff. I mean, and it was a celebration to where it was. You can only celebrate like that if you're not Stone Cold Steve Austin, if you have something like a milestone achievement. And I think that was literally the only the only celebration that I could do and uh, at that time for how big that game was. And in my mind, I was like, you know what, man? I was like, I, I, I might not ever have another big win like this. So I grabbed my guy, Jacob, my video guys, like stand next to me. We got something. And then he's because we've been talking about it because he's a he was a wrestling fan, too. And he saw me grab the two Gatorades, and I think he kind of knew it was coming. But, uh, yeah. And, so, you uh, did kind of plan it. it. It was somewhat premeditated. Well, it yeah. was like uh, – I think they came it – was, it was the play that Josh had the strip. So, I came off the field. Um, we were in our dime package. So, they brought yeah. me out uh, and another linebacker and put two DBs in. And as we were coming off there, I was like, shit, we're going to win this game. And then that, then that's what I decided. So, yeah, it wasn't like a we had we had I, I had to like get him next to me, like, hey, be ready. But it was like it wasn't like a whole game type deal. It was like literally within like a minute, minute and a half tops. Well, you, uh, I would say that 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 qualifies as a milestone. Uh, you know, thirty-one straight losses to Florida, and then you go to the swamp and you beat them in Gainesville. I would say that yeah, that definitely qualifies. Um, okay, so I think now everyone's got a good feel for who you are. So that said, uh, I'm not going to keep you guys listening in suspense anymore. Enough stalling, enough pussyfooting around it. Let's get into the main <laughs> reason why you're here tonight. So. You broke that 31-year reign of tyranny that Florida had in that series, and now mm-hmm. Florida's coming to Lexington looking to start a new streak while you guys are looking to run off two in a row. Yep. So I would say it's fair to say that emotions were probably running high before the games even kicked off. And then Florida finds itself down 21-10 when Felipe Franks goes down. We know what happens next. Kyle Trask comes in. He leads Florida to back-to-back TD drives. After the second one, the Gators go for two. You guys stop him. And then the sky cam shows you twisting and ripping on his foot. So for the question that I've been wanting to ask you since the moment it happened. Well, two questions. One, what were you thinking? And two, why would you think that's an acceptable thing to do? 
one, I wasn't thinking. If I was thinking, it definitely wouldn't have happened. I would have got up and played the next play. So right there in itself, it was just so – it was bonehead as it can get, man. I mean, nobody can sit there unless you're just an evil human being and actually think that that's okay. I mean, I just lost it. I just – like you said, we were up 21-10. And uh, it was it was so emotional that week, and I think I put it I put it more on myself than than the whole team's pressure was. I think I put more pressure on myself than uh, than let's say pressure on the team. Um, just because, man, like I was, you know, I was the the returning you know leader of that defense from that 2018 team. We had guys like Josh Allen, and you know, so many other dudes go to the NFL and. You know, now, you know, they were looking at me, you know, to step in and be that dude, you know, so throughout the whole summer process, and you can, and I can, you can ask my coaches about this too. Like we would play, we played Toledo week one and I played like shit. And I called coach Summerall freaking out about Florida two weeks later. I was like, we can't play like this. Like I can't play like this, this, this and that. And he had to calm me down for two hours. I couldn't even go out to the bar and celebrate after because I was, you know, talking two hours with him, freaking out about Florida two weeks later. Next week comes Toledo, or not Toledo, uh, Eastern Michigan. I have a pretty decent game. I have my first uh, career intercept or first career interception, and I still think we don't play good enough. And I still think I don't play good enough. And I'm just putting this more pressure, more pressure, more pressure, and to where I'm having to talk with him about an opponent that's that's not even here yet. And so. Then I go do uh, the SEC Nation thing with Tim Tebow. Uh, we go fishing or whatnot. And, you know, that's just, you know, really cool and stuff. I looked up to Tim Tebow as a kid. I read his book. Uh, I wore my high school number after him. Uh, we're both left-handed, play quarterback, you know, and really liked the weight room. We weren't, you know, he wasn't a typical quarterback in high school, you know, size-wise and everything like that, and I wasn't either. So, you know, I mean – he was always, you know, just a big influence on me and my life. And so when we went there, yeah. and I'm thinking, oh, I'm on, I'm going to be on SEC Nation. You know, this is going to be playing before the game. You know, this, this, and that. I got all these eyes on me. And so I got all this hype built up around me from SEC media days and this, this, and that, and me drinking my own Kool-Aid. And, uh, you know, now it's like, hey, mother effort, it's time to nut up or shut up here. And so – and I – and all, uh, like if you like, but I go back and watch it, man. Like that, the play, the trash, the trash play, it never should have happened in the first place. I should have ended that game as that drive was going on. I should have ended that game. I, I had a PBU of a post route from some guy coming across the middle, and I barely tipped it. If I would have gone around a tenth of a second quicker, I could have intercepted it, be the hero, two against Florida, and none of this ever happens. But it didn't happen that way. And so they get down and, you know, tra Kyle comes in and doesn't just does an unreal job. I mean, I'm not – got to give credit where credit's due. The dude comes in and, um, you know, fresh off the bench and he comes in and just picks us apart and comes in and, you know, he, he reads his receivers well. He reads the defense well, you know, and he put guys in positions to go make plays and get in the end zone. You know, and, and, and I was just – dude, I was just – like, I was just so – freaking mad and I play and I already play pretty pissed off like that's the only way that I play football um like when I'm growing like when I was growing up man like I was like we were taught to play football to the echo of the whistle you know head hunt you know be out there and just try to you know either be killed or be killed you know basically yeah. and that's how I played football that's how my mindset was 
Um, and I'm out there thinking, um, you know, if I don't, if, if I don't get some, somebody's, somebody's going to get some against me and that don't feel, and I don't feel too good. So I was already, so I already played pretty emotional and pretty pissed off. And then we were, the game should have been in the bag. You know, all we, all we had to do was just come out and do our jobs and, and Kyle just comes out and does, uh, does his job better than what we did ours and drove his, drove his guys down the field, got in that end zone. And the play happens. He comes around. I mean, I can still, looking back, I remember this, the, the start of the play. The guard pulls. I get over. And there wasn't really an, uh, an angle to hit him square up and drive him backwards. So the only thing I knew how to do was to get down and cause a pile and have my guys come up, you know, and, and ultimately just chop him down, you know, and create a yeah. pile and a gaunt to where he can't get in the end zone. Did he score on that play, by the way? Nope, you stopped him. Okay. You're talking about the two-point conversion? Yeah. No, you stopped him. And then, dude, I don't know what it was. It was just – I really can't explain it. I lost it completely, just blacked out almost. I know that I've said this in many interviews before, but that's literally the only way that I can explain it, is that I was – I got so mad that this dude was coming back and beating us and – and he shouldn't be beating us, that I just blacked out. And um, ultimately the dumbest decision on a, co on a football field that, you know, that I ever made. And, and the rest is history. I mean, I wasn't thinking. It was stupid. And, you know, looking back on it, if I could do it all over again, hell yeah, we just got up and played the next play. Yeah. I mean, that's football. I mean, it's already – it's already barbaric enough, man. I mean, we're out there literally killing each other. And, you know, there's there's no reason for that extra cricket stuff. But now I will say that, you know, that stuff happens all. Like in the piles like that, there's eye gouging. There's dudes putting fingers down your throat like this. There's dudes raking at your eyes. Well, but come on, man. You got to know. All right, go ahead. I go mean, ahead. I just got caught, and it was stupid. And – they had a really good camera angle on it. It was just stupid. But, um, and ultimately just afterwards, man, I just, it, like, after it happened, like, on the field, I mean, I just, I'm in that mode where I'm trying to, like, kill, kill, kill. And it didn't settle in until after the game that I did that. You know, it really didn't hit me until I got back to my apartment. Okay, so I've got two major problems with what you just said. One, and you're absolutely right about this, that there is some terrible stuff that happens in pileups. I, I, I get it. I know firsthand. I, I played in high school a little bit. Um, and, and on top of that, I'm friends with some of the players on the current Florida team who've told me some additional horror stories about what happens in pileups. So t to act like everybody who's ever been engaged in, in, in a multi-person massive human flesh on a football field act like a choir boy it's not realistic so i i will i will give you that much but one that doesn't excuse you doing it and two you weren't in a pileup that's what really gets me you weren't in a pileup so you don't really get to use that excuse you were on the ground by yourself you weren't locked in a sea of bodies you were all by yourself on the ground i mean like i just watched the tape right before we started this podcast just to make absolutely sure that I knew what I was seeing. You were lying face down, you got to your knees, and then as you got from your knees up to your feet, you used the momentum that you were building to rise up, to yank and twist on his foot. So to me, everybody does it is not only not 
a good excuse, but it doesn't even seem like it's valid in your case because it doesn't apply to you. Like I said, man, I wasn't the whole situation. I wasn't thinking, and um, yeah, I mean, if if, if we're going to talk about piles and everything, yeah, stuff does happen in piles, and we've already hit on that, and the horror stories that come with it. But I mean, honest to God, just looking back, and, I, and I've watched it, you know, went back and I've watched it plenty of times. Um, I don't know, man. Just. It was just, just, I don't, like, I literally, I, like, I wish I had an answer. Like, I really, really did wish I had, like, a, like a stone point answer of, of, of that. But I got literally just was not, was not thinking at the time. And it was just literally the stupidest thing I could have done at that point. I could have really, really, really hurt my team. Even if we wanted to have a chance to come back at that point. How about our team? How about Trask? I also hurt, I was getting to that. And I also, yeah. and I also, and I also just tried to hurt a dude that was his mom's up in the stands, his dad's up in the stands, his cousins, his family members are watching that game. They already know that he's risking his his health going out there and what and having three hundred pound linemen, two hundred and forty five pound linebackers coming downhill at him, and literally it was just. It was stupid, man. Like I literally, it was the literally the dumbest, most bonehead thing that I've ever done on a football field, and I literally regret it every day. Like there's not a day that that I don't go by and I don't regret it. And now I'm maybe one of your questions may be, well, why didn't you say anything after the game? Why didn't you apologize after the game? Why didn't you do this and do do that? Because I'm a selfish player for my team, man. I didn't want to get like get suspended for next game. You admit that point blank. I mean. Like, those are my dudes, and I was that leader to be out there on that field, and it may not be an answer that everybody likes, but I wasn't going to sit out my senior year on, on a game that if, if I don't have to. Now, me and Coach Stoops talked. We had a, we had a, I had a meeting with Mitch Barnhart. I had a meeting with our, athlete, our associate athletic director and our school president. And we sat down and we talked about and how it was embarrassing and how I embarrassed the university and how I embarrassed – and my, my, own, my own fans even hated me for it. My own family would even say, like, what? Like, my granddad called me, and he was the, literally the the biggest influence in my life, you know. And he was just like, yeah. "What were you? What were you? What were you doing? Like, we didn't raise you to be like that. We didn't teach you to play that game like that way." And so it wasn't just Florida, you know, uh, people coming back at me. I had my own family and my own friends just to, to remind me of how much of a bonehead move that was. Ultimately, I just look back at it and I just say, yeah, it was the hands down the dumbest thing that I did on a college football field. A couple things to that. First, um, again, this podcast is a gesture of goodwill. I'm happy to give credit where it's due. So props to you for admitting you weren't thinking. Um, honestly, there's not really a good answer to why you did what you did to Kyle Trask, but that's probably as good as it's going to get. So I'll give you that. And I'm willing to give you bonus points for anticipating the next question of why did you not apologize immediately when you realized what you did and giving an honest answer to that. And, you know, you said because you didn't want to get suspended. Those are your dudes. This is your senior year. Uh, and seriously, I, I give you points for honesty. But there's an obvious follow-up question to that, a bit of a moral question. And that is, as a leader of your team and a member of the college football community, since you realized that you'd done something wrong, did you not think that you had a responsibility to do the right thing and issue a true apology and 
you know, accept whatever consequences came your way as a result. Yeah, and that's why, and that's why I owned up to it. And but three months later, dude, I'm telling you, man, there was so much shit going on during that season for me, man, mentally, that we can get into later. Because uh, I know you, we were talking about you had some questions about it, and it was a dark time, man. Especially after yeah. that, because that was like the first time that I, I've ever experienced like true like people like hating me. Like I've had people, you know, just be like natural, you know. There's there's internet haters everywhere, you know, saying, "Oh, you're not that good," you know, this, this, and that. But then, you know, that was the first time I ever like experienced like hate, hate, like straight up hate for something that I did, and knowing that this is the consequence of it, of having people come at me when they should. You know, and, uh, you know, the Twitter gives everybody a voice now. And so they, they expressed their voice and, uh, you know, came at me, came at me pretty good. And um, it was just a, uh, it was just that whole, it was, it was really dark, man. And, and I, looking back on it, should I have a, easily have said something after the game? Yes. I should have, you know, 100%. But at that time, you know, I was just thinking about my guys. I'm, I was selfish for my team and uh, for what we were trying to do moving forward. And, um, you know, but ultimately, you know, I should have. You know, I should have, and I wish I did. And that's one of my other regrets, you know, is not doing it, you know, uh, as soon as I could. So I'll tell you a little, a little story. Um, I went – I live right outside of New York City. I live just in – on the New Jersey side of the Hudson River. So I live nowhere near Gainesville. So I flew down for the Orange Bowl, went to that game, had a great time, you know, celebrated the win. Um, I'm very close friends with the Houston family, you know, James Houston, the linebacker. Mm -hmm. So celebrated with his family, family a little bit. Flew home the next day on good old JetBlue. Shout out JetBlue because they have TVs and Wi-Fi. So I watched the Belk Bowl on a TV on a plane. So right after that Belk Bowl, I saw you getting interviewed and I saw that you went out of your way to say, shout out Kyle Trask. Shout out. I apologize from the bottom of my heart. I jumped up like out of my yeah. seat because I was so stunned by it. Yeah. So you, you took me by that much of surprise and, and Dustin knows me pretty well. He'll tell you, I don't get surprised by very much. Yeah. Dustin, you can back me up on that, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah you're so pretty hard on man yeah not, nothing really phases me yeah. so that 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 stunned me a bit and i appreciated that um but again as you mentioned that was the first point in time in which you would not have to face any sort of consequences for it because that was right after your career had ended so you couldn't really be honestly god i really wouldn't think it like in that aspect like that wasn't a thought process of i'm not going to have to do or really though? have a some sort of punishment for it that wasn't really that i swear dude like that wasn't really that has nothing to do with it like what what made you in that moment in the middle of an interview talking about uh, a football game made you bring that up i mean <laughs> obviously obviously it's it's good that you that you brought it up but what what made it happen in that moment why wasn't it done maybe in a different a different manner well, it was, uh, it was the, you know, we were having, they were, they, they, it was my last game, obviously, that they knew. Yeah. So they were, they were asking me questions, you know, about, you know, my time at Kentucky, you know, my legacy, you know, this, this, and that. And then, um, and then I just, in the back of my mind, then I was just like saying, hey, this is an opportunity for you on a, on the, on a big stage like SEC Network. It's not Kentucky media. 
It's not Saturday down south. It's not. It's this. This is, and it's the only, and it's the only uh, bowl game at that point going on until like six hours later. So obviously, right. like, there's not just Florida fans and Kentucky fans, and ever there's people all over the world watching it. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So I literally just wanted to for people to know that, like, on the biggest stage of it all, I, I could have, I could have went to Twitter you know, and typed out some, you know, apology, you know, that my, my PR lady could have helped me with, you know, or some some crazy that we, we see a lot of times now. Uh, you know, and it was just, like I say, like, I never, even with the media and stuff like that, like, I literally just, I don't have a script. I don't have something written down here. Like, literally, whatever comes to the top of my head at that time, you know, I'm going to say it. it. Just It was just at that point where it made me reflect, like, they were asking me about those questions, and it was so emotional. I was you know, already crying because I knew that that was the last time I was ever going to be able to put a Kentucky jersey on. And for me, being from Kentucky, man, I mean, that 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 alone meant the freaking world. Yeah. We don't have – like, that was the, the highest of, of uh, representing your state in Kentucky you can get. We don't have a professional sports team. Like, Kentucky – the Kentucky football is, is as big as it can get for somebody for being from the state. And so – um it made me just, you know, look back like literally in an instant. It's just like a, just like a flash before my eyes, you know, type thing. And, you know, something that that has been on my heart the whole season. It's just been on my heart and on my mind. I even texted Kyle before that. Kyle Trask. And, yeah. I got his phone number from I, – I reached out to Mitch Barnhart. Barnhart then reached out to Scott Strickland, who has painful ties, by the way. Um who got me Kyle's number and I sent him a text in, in a way that I wanted to apologize to him face to face on a FaceTime, just like we're doing right now or a phone call or something. I don't like, if you're going to break up with a girl, do it in a face. Don't, don't, don't text somebody. If you're going to apologize to somebody, be a man about it. Don't, don't type it out. Let them hear from your face and your voice that you really are sorry. And so I was like, Hey, I'm wanting to apologize to you. Uh, so this is on Tuesday, December 10th at 9:26 PM. Kyle, this is Cash Daniel. I reached out to our AD Mitch Barnhart here at UK to get a hold of Scott Strickland there at UF to get me your phone number. Nobody else knows this but me and Mitch here in Kentucky. Uh, if you don't want to give me this opportunity, I understand, but I'd like to call you tomorrow if possible. I don't know if I, I do not know if you guys are in finals or not, but I do owe you an apology. I didn't want to do it in the media to have you thinking I'm doing this just to clear up my image because people already got got in their minds made up about me anyways. But if you want me, but if you would let me apologize, but if you want me to apologize in the media, I will do that as well for you. Uh, I'm wanting to, I'm wanting to do this because I've lived in regret all season, not doing it sooner. Uh, just been caught up in the season and I've stayed out of the media for other reasons. Ultimately it's the right thing to do. And I don't want to leave this game with any regrets. I want to apologize to you as a man instead of saying it to a camera first. So if you give me that opportunity, I'd be very grateful. But if not, I understand. Hell of a season this year and good luck in y'all's bowl game. Uh, Friday, December 27th at 11.44 a.m. Hey, man, I took – sorry I took so long to get back to you. You don't got to worry about – you don't got to worry about calling. I appreciate your apology. It means a lot. I know things can get heated out on that field, man. Good luck in y'all's bowl game as well. We left it at that. Okay, so for all our listeners out there, um, I do want to point out that, again, we are doing this on a video conference call on Zoom, so I can actually see the texts. Uh, Cash is holding them up right now. He, you know, The texts are legit. The dates are legit. The number seems legit. I don't, I don't have 
Kyle Trask number, but it, it seems like it's his. Two eight one area code. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. So he's not lying about that. So, um, you guys obviously had a had a little bit of a discussion on the field as well. Um, I'm sure you guys probably exchanged a few uh, cuss words. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, or a, a ref got involved, or maybe a maybe uh, another player kind of pulled DeAndre, you out. DeAndre grabbed me. You're talking about DeAndre Square. Yep. So, so what exactly was said? What happened? I don't know. He 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 probably said something like, "What the hell are you doing?" And I probably looked back at him and said, "F you" or something. That's probably what, that was probably one of my go-to things, man. I mean, I don't yeah. know. All right, fair enough. I don't suppose you can remember exactly what you said at that time, given that you've admitted that you weren't thinking. But I do have one final question about the play itself, and then we can move on to a broader topic that I've been wanting to ask you about. Maybe 20 minutes earlier, in real time, we saw Felipe Franks go down with a broken ankle. Now, here you are, tugging on Kyle Trask's ankle. You're yanking on the same body part of our backup quarterback that our starting quarterback had just hurt. Now, you said that you weren't thinking, but surely you can understand why it appears as though you were trying to replicate the injury of our starting quarterback on our backup quarterback since he had just driven down the field and taken the lead on you. So what do you have to say to that? Dude, like when I'm out there playing, dude, I don't think about anything but the task at hand. I don't think about the crowd noise. I don't think about, you know, the the, the hot Florida cheerleaders on the sideline. You know, I don't think about – you know, I mean, it was very unfortunate, you know, what happened to Felipe. And I've, people have had some backlash from me saying that, I've, that I caused that injury too. When in reality, I went in to get the football and I didn't even know the dude was hurt. And I, and I even I, – I, I know I got that text of me wishing Felipe a, uh, you know, a speedy recovery. I played with him in the All-American game. You know, I played with him down in San Antonio. I mean, I played ping pong against the dude. I'm not out there – you know, he's – you know, we're not. I'm not saying sitting here like we're we're texting each other. You know, every day, you know, and things like that after that game. But you know, I genuinely had a genuine respect for his game and you know what he was doing. I'm not. And then I was just literally going out there and on that play, he dropped the ball, and I see the ball. And so, as a defensive player, see the ball on the ground, you go get the son of a bitch. But and at that point, man, it, it, when he went out, you know, it was just like, damn, you know, that's unfortunate. But I got my – like, I literally got my guys to worry about. I, I don't have time to worry about what's going on on the other, on the other sideline. I don't have time or the mental space for, in, in that aspect of, in that moment to literally think about what's going on around me rather than what, what the call is, where am I going to get my dudes lined up, where's the tight end lined up for Florida, where's the back set. Like, that's, that's what's going through my mind. And that never once crossed my mind. Fair enough. Uh... I think that you can understand why people might raise their eyebrows at it and say it's a little more than a coincidence, but I will take your word for it. And with that said, I want to move on to a broader topic and something that may have had something to do with this play. As you mentioned in previous interviews, mental health has been something that you've struggled with before. And if you wouldn't mind, I'd like you to talk a little bit more about the mental health struggles that you faced and how it might have affected you on this play and throughout the course of the season as a whole. Man, it was mental health is something that um, that I'm glad to see has been taking the forefront in uh, you know awareness in a lot of in a lot of aspects uh, these past couple of years. You know, my childhood it wasn't the greatest. Um, you know, seen some things, heard some things, did some things that uh, kids should never have to do, um, see or hear, and. Um, 
I grew up an angry kid, man. I grew up an angry, angry kid. Um, life wasn't, uh, it wasn't all roses as, uh, as people say. And there was a lot of hard times growing up and growing up and my, my parents were divorced. Um, and my dad raised me and my dad, uh, dad's a hardcore dude, man. He, um, he taught me how to be a man in an early age. Let's, let's just put it that way. And, um, you know, but he did, he did an amazing job, you know, raising me and my sister basically on his own. And, uh, so it was throughout those times where I felt like, you know, I, I, I didn't have anybody to talk to, you know, didn't have anybody to really express, you know, what I was feeling at the time, you know, growing up and then you get older and other things happen. Um, and then you, you start banging heads when you're seven years old and you, you keep hitting all the way up through college and you get so many concussions that you don't even tell people about. And then those mixed on with already depressive thoughts creates a, a pretty big storm in your head that you have to, that you have to endure. And some, and a lot of people, not just me, just feels like you're fucking you're alone. You know, you just, it's like, it's like, you could be like, I was on that 2018 team, man. Like we were riding high, you know, we were great. This isn't that, but I mean, there were still days where I didn't want to get out of bed. I'm just saying like, dog, you're like in my head, I'm like POS, you know, this, this and that. And this is even before yeah. the trash play happened. I mean, that's just, that's just real of it. I'm being real about it. And um, it was, it's been a big struggle. Um, but Thankfully, you know, I finally, I finally opened up to people and it was really hard for me to do that because I have this image of, you know, the badass linebacker, nothing can't get to him, all muscles and this and that, you know, he's alpha male, you know, whatever. But when I would go home, you know, and everything's done, you know, I had those thoughts get right back in your head and it's just a struggling deal where I have, I have depression and anxiety. Um, and it's just been, it's, it's a whirlwind man to deal with. And so many people struggle with it day in and day out. And the day that I finally opened up about it, you know, was when I was starting to feel better, you know, here and there. And it's all just about talking to somebody, man, just, um, just getting what's out on your, what's on your mind and what's on your heart out there and don't bottle it up in the way that one of my mentors, uh, that I would talk to with, he would explain is like, dude, you're like a shook up pop can. And instead of you letting it out spew by spew by spew, you build up everything to where it can't hold no more. And it just pops its top and you lose your shit, you know? And, um, but like football, I never had a depressed, you know, thought during football, you know, or anything like that. Like my, my depression turned into anger really when I, when I stepped onto the football field, like I got all this shit that's in my head that may have happened to me that I didn't, didn't go my way during the, throughout the course of, you know, that month or that week. And it, and football was my outlet. Uh, one of my outlets just and the position I played allowed me to go out there and take it out on somebody within legal boundaries. And, um, you know, and, and after that happened, the incident happened and, uh, I was in, we were in the hotel the next week and they were playing. Was you guys play Vandy after us that year? Tennessee. Who? Tennessee? Tennessee. 
Was it at Florida? Yeah, in the swamp. Yeah, okay. Was it raining that game? Not really. It was, was, I think it was a little overcast. Overcast, um, okay, because that's what I remember watching on TV. And they were bringing in Kyle, you know, and their ESPN was, was people that were talking about him, throwing him, seeing him warm up. And, uh, and I'm sitting there watching it, and then the first drive happens, and then literally they shoot the they shoot the camera right on his mom. And I'm just sitting there, I just go, damn, dude. Like, really? And that's when it really, really hit me like sunk. It was like, it was like his, his mom saw that and was scared for her life, you know, after she saw that. And that just made me feel like the POS, this piece of shit, just stuck in my head. And I was just depressed, man, the whole freaking season, man. I was just and not and not that alone. You know, there was a lot of stuff that happened. Like I mentioned before, the, the person that was my biggest influence in my life, my grandfather, he passed away during the course of the season. And that was what sent me over the depression edge is what I think is what happened. And uh, I mean, dude, I was, it, it came to a point where I was like, no matter what happens, I'm done with football after this year. I don't even want to do this shit no more. It's causing me to feel this way. I had two concussions, two right back to back. Got the first one against uh, South Carolina. Sat out against Missouri. Came back too early against Georgia and got my bell rung again, man. And it with those two back to back, and then already having depressive thoughts. And it's just it's just a recipe for disaster, you know, in your head. And it took me took me a long, long time, man, to find happiness and joy again. And a big part of that was. Uh, not just so much happy and joy, but a lot of weight that was on my heart and on my shoulders uh, that got, you know, taken off was when Kyle texted me back. And that was a big part of it, you know, was, you know, having that come off my heart and off my shoulders of that, of that weight. And then just, uh, just talking to people, you know, about my granddad and, and how much he made. It was later like my second father, man. I mean, that, this dude was, he was a rock to our family. You know, and he was the glue that kept everybody together and kept everything, you know, in order and made sure everything ran right. And uh, when I lost that, I just didn't know how to react. I didn't know, like, he was always in my corner. He was at every game. I would look – I mean, he bought season tickets as soon as I committed to Kentucky right on the 30-yard line, right behind our bench. And I could always look up there and see him. And having to go back there and look up there and not see – and see and see an empty seat there, um, it, it messed with me a lot and um but I met a I met this little girl her name was her name's Ellie and um she's a part of Kentucky Children's Hospital um Ellie's had a lot harder road than I had you know growing up and um she made me feel like it's okay to live again it's okay to get back out there and and be happy because you have everything going for you. You're not, you're not stuck in a hospital fighting for your life. Like, and it literally just changed my perspective on everything. And she's my best friend from now on. She's my little BFF and she's, she's changed my world on that. But just the mental health aspect of it, man, especially for football players. I mean, there's so many dudes out there that struggle with the same stuff I do, but they just, we're too prideful and we're too uh, manly 
I guess, to go and, and talk to somebody about your feelings, you know, because it's like, man, get them feelings out of here, dog. Yeah. That's about it, man. So I was going to ask you how you got over, how you got through it. You've pretty much. I mean, it's not like, it's now. something that, it's not like something that was just there at that point and it just goes away. Like, I mean, I still have those thoughts, you know, that still come into me. I just know how to deal with them better now. Right. You have perspective. So that's, yeah. well, that, that's great that you do, but I mean, football is something that's, you know, that's played throughout the country. Lots of people, obviously, you know, playing peewee, playing high school, playing college even. And so I'm sure that throughout the country, there are a lot of other people who feel the same way you do, and they just don't want to talk about it. But they also don't have this, you know, light bulb moment pop off right in front of their faces the way you did with Ellie. So what would your advice be to these other, you know, these other kids playing football who are maybe depressed and, and anxious and you know, how would you advise them how to get past them through it? Well, the first thing I would tell them is um, don't put the pressure on yourself. Like you need to put pressure, a certain amount of pressure on yourself. Cause I think that's how you get going. You know, um, knowing that somebody's right behind you ready to take your job, you know, you know, that kind of pressure, but don't put so much pressure on yourself to where it's like, live or die pressure you know because you're never going to able to live up to that expectation that you set for yourself because a lot of times we set these expectations for ourselves that you know that we seem to like okay you know we can do this you know there's no problem in that and then you know the road gets the road is uh, not as straight and narrow as you think it is and there's some bumps in the road you got to get over um, and some more stuff comes on uh, during that journey. And then the next thing you know, you're stuck, you're stuck on that road and you don't, you, you can't even move forward. It just feels like there's a cloud to just hanging over you. And just no matter how fast you run, you can't outrun the storm. And, um, you know, just another thing I would say is take time for yourself, man. Take time to talk to somebody, get a hobby. Like I, the other thing why I want to introduce people to the outdoors with the show that I'm doing is, is that like the outdoors was, you know, another thing for me, there was, as there was release, you know, when my granddad died, I went fishing just the next day. I just, I knew that that was a place to where I can go and hit the reset button, hit the refresh button. Not, not so much a refresh because of the, you know, dealing with a, a loss of a loved one, but a, um, but a sense of just, being at peace at that time if it's only an hour it's an hour if you got two hours you got two hours whatever you find that brings you peace man it could be video games it could be fishing hunting you know doing crosswords i mean it don't matter whatever brings you peace and happiness not what everybody else says that's going to bring you peace and happiness it's what your mindset and what you think and what you know is going to bring you peace and happiness man and if it's through music listen to music i listen to a lot of music and listen to the lyrics and the music and, I, and that's how i connect you know with so many different genres of music you know, i'm not just a country guy i'm not just a rock guy i listen to rap r&b folk music and it's so many different stories and so many different aspects of life that you're sitting there thinking like damn he's going through the same stuff that i'm going through you know and it's just a way that you can connect with some people and through music and things like that so whatever it is that you got to do to bring yourself peace and happiness and learn how to deal you know, with those negative thoughts and deal with those hard times, 
you got to do it, man. If it's, if, if, if it's got to take a 10 minute walk, you know, put your phone down, get off the phone, stay out. Of, and another thing too, stay out of social media. That's another thing. Players. And that's, that's ever listen to this. You got to stay out of social media, man. Like not out of it, out of it, but don't, don't let it dictate. Don't let people on there dictate how you play. Okay. Like they're always going to have their opinion, this, this, and that. There's people telling the, the president of the United States how to run his, how to do his job. Surely to God, there, there's somebody out there going to tell you how to run a flag route, you know, or how to make a tackle, you know, this, this, or that. Just don't feed into that shit. It's, it's fake. It's fugazi. It's not freaking real, you know, and uh, that's it, man. You know, I'm, I get them, you know, fired up talking about it because I'm so passionate, you know, just about having people find that peace, you know, because it's so hard to find at sometimes. Yeah, no, I feel that. I've, I have people tell me how to run my blog at least once a week. Yeah, so there I, you go. Yeah, no, I, I definitely feel that. We've been talking for a while. Uh, you know, we've been texting, we've been or DMing. Um, and I feel it's relevant to tell all our listeners that from all our interactions, you do seem like a good dude. Uh, just putting that on the table. You do seem like you're a legit dude. Nice, and, I, and I do sincerely want to believe that you are, that this is not a front, that this is not an act. Um, the, the thing is though, and, and you've acknowledged this, is that it's easy to be a good dude when everyone's got their eyes on you, when you're actively trying to make a good impression on someone like you are with us. And it's really easy to be a good dude when things are going well for you. Like when you're efficient, when you're at peace, um, doing whatever it is you do, like you mentioned, doing crossword puzzles or, you know, hunting, whatever it is, when you're in your happy place, it's easy for you to be a good dude. But when things aren't going super well, that's kind of when we tend to see the other parts of people come out. Now, as we mentioned several times, we'll mention it again. I think we both know some Florida fans are not going to change their minds on you regardless. That's just the way it is. You've acknowledged that you've made peace with that. So I, I won't ask Florida fans or any, college football fans general to change their opinions of you because that kind of feels spoon fed. Everybody's got a right to their own opinion, man. Yeah. It's, it's not going to do anything. So what I will ask you to elaborate on and tell me a little bit about in more detail is, uh, you know, you mentioned Ellie, you mentioned um, what you do to find yourself and more peace. What are you doing now to help prepare yourself for when things aren't going as well to still come off as the same good dude that you're coming off to me right now? Just that change of perspective, man. Um, I keep myself, you know, very detailed and very organized. Um, I think when you get messy, you know, when your own life, you know, you're not, you're not cleaning up after yourself. You're not doing this. You're not taking care of yourself like you're supposed to. Like your mental can go in, in places where it's like, I'll F that, you know, or this, this, or that. And, you know, and I'm, I'm, things haven't been, I mean, things haven't been, you know, the greatest for me. I mean, I don't have a job right now. I mean, I, I got, I got no source of income. The only thing that I got left in my name, you know, is the money that I made off of a t-shirt tour signing after, uh, you know, after the season. And so I'm sitting here trying to find a job. I'm sitting here and trying to figure out, you know, what's next in my life. But, you know, every day, you know, I'm going to take it with, you know, with the grace, you know, whatever happens, it happens. And so if you think you're going to have a bad day, and you think you're going to have, a, you know, a rough time in that day, then more than likely not, you're mentally, you're going to be in a bad place. And if you're mentally in a bad place, you know, it's really easy to not be a good dude. 
I mean, it's just in there in your, in your mind. And it's just, it's literally your thought process of throughout your day of like waking up, man, just knowing that you're lucky to even do what you do, you know, lucky to to go work out at the gym. I'm lucky to be able to go fish and, and meet with these awesome dudes. I'm, you know, and there's so many other people that, you know, that have it's 10 times worse than I do, you know? And so it's, very like you said it's it's very easy you know to be a great guy when things are going for you it's very easy to come off to the public you know as a good guy but the guy that you're literally talking to right here is the same guy that you know that my roommate knows it's the same guy you know that my teammates know it's the guy that you know everybody that's that's involved in my life as friends you know or people that that genuinely do know me this is this is me you know, and I'm not going to sit here and say that I've not had my moments, you know, where I get pretty pissed off because I can get pissed off pretty easy. Um, but I've gotten better at letting the spew out rather than just the bottle cap coming off and all the emotions pour out, you know. Because when you have stuff like that pouring up, you, you say shit you don't mean. Your, your emotion takes over and you say stuff out of emotion without even thinking about it. Or you – have a body language that just literally is just repulsive and you're just walking around with this pissed off face all the time. It's like, man, bro, it's a Thursday and you're at Speedway. What you mad about? You know? So, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's all perspective and how you attack, how you attack each day. Um, so for me, man, it's just, um, I just try to I, like every day, you know, just try to be like I told you before, man, just try to be a better dude than, you know, than what I was the next day. So let me ask you this. Gator fans, as you, you have said several times, not just to me, but in other interviews, Gator fans and other college football fans in general are going to have their opinions about you. Some of them just aren't going to change them. That's the way it is. That's final. If that's the way it is, though, you know you're not going to change their opinion. But is there anything that you would like them to know about you that they currently don't? I'm not that, I'm not that dude, man. Like that dude that you see on the field, I mean, that's – that's a literally a whole nother mindset. Like when I walk across those white lines, you know, I'm not, it's almost like I'm not cash anymore. You know, I flip that switch and then it's just, uh, you know, it's balls to the wall. Not even this, just straight up violence out there. Cause that's what playing that position and playing in that league is all about. And if people don't look at it that way, then they've never, they've never been in that environment. They don't know what the hell I'm talking about, you know? So they're not going to truly grasp what I'm talking about. And so, I mean, like I said, they're going to have their opinions and there's nothing that I can do to change that, you know, but it, it is what it is at that point. I mean, I've, uh, you know, I've, I've wanted, I mean, I've been, it, it's something I'm going to live with for the rest of my life, obviously in regret, but I got to move on in my life. I can't let this be my defining factor. And it's not my defining factor of who I am as a person. You know, that's, you know, that's just some bonehead incident that I happened on a football field. You know, I'm, like I'm like right now, I mean, like I'm in enemy territory. I don't have to be on here talking to you guys. You guys are really cool dudes. And, you know, I'm not going to answer them in, uh, you know, uh, harsh ways. You know, I'm just going to give you the answer of, you know, how yeah. I feel about it. And I'm not a, I'm not some dude, you know, that's, you know, literally out there just, I, and, and that's, it's, it's hard to literally explain yourself because it's, there's a freaking video and it's, you're sitting here trying to convince people that, you know, with word of mouth that you're not that kind of dude. And that's all I can do. And they're, 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 they're going to have their yeah. opinions and that's, it is what it is, man. You know, that's it. So cash, uh, when you and Neil first had conversation, it was in response to 
I'm not sure. I'm not sure why you did it, but you ended up posting a meme, uh, an Aaron Hernandez meme, right? Come on, dude. You guys like? Wait, wait, wait. Me? Come on. Come on, man. Like the dude's a murderer. Right. No, no, no. So we're not. Here, here's the here's the thing. We're not defending what he did. At no. All. Yeah. At no, all. Of course yeah, not. And it wasn't like. And the thing about it is, like, I have a like. I have a, you guys. You guys watch stand up comedy. Like, who's your favorite stand up comedian? Uh, I'm a Tosh.0 guy. Tosh.0. See, I'm like a Dave Chappelle, Bill, Bill Burr. Oh, I love Bill yeah. Burr. I do yeah, love yeah, Bill yeah. Burr. Just, just, just dark humor. I mean, I mean, there's, yeah. I mean, it was all meant to be a joke and it wasn't like, it wasn't a thing where I'm sitting there going like, oh, I may have did this, but you guys had this guy. It so wasn't. here's the thing. When, when you post a meme without a caption or any text, I mean, first of all, it's not even a good joke if you're going to go that route. Second, you leave that to the, to the people. interpretation of right. the viewer. Yeah. So we didn't, we didn't understand. You didn't, you didn't give a context. caption that implied that you were joking. The context of what it was. Right. Exactly. There's no context. Yeah. So not only do I not know, there are hundreds of thousands of Florida fans who don't know either. All they see is a gif of Aaron Hernandez getting led away in handcuffs. And they're like, okay, right. so this guy's trying to play the, well, maybe I did this, but he did that. And that's much worse. So therefore shut up card. You have to, certainly you understand. I should have I should have gave more context. Yeah, and and it's one of those things, but it's it's interesting what came from that, and I'm I'm thankful that that um that we have this platform because you have or had a reputation as a as a dirty football player, and a lot of that was egged on by what we've already discussed. Um, and you know, not not to I I do what I don't want to do is I don't want to compare you in any regard to Aaron Hernandez that was a real bad dude someone who committed some serious crimes and ended up committing suicide the whole thing I want to get at though is I don't want to defend him at all but mental health was definitely something that he struggled with definitely and a lot of a lot of how he responded to life and and his situation was very very bad and there there's no excuse regardless of, of where your mindset is or what, what, what circumstances you're going through. Um, you know, Neil, Neil will, will, uh, will say I'm a very positive guy. I'm someone who, who likes to look at the glass uh, half full. And I'm, I'm, I, there's a famous quote, I, I, I believe a famous pastor said, I don't, the, the name is, the exact name is kind of escaping me, but he said it like this, life is 90% how you respond and only 10% what happens to you. And, that's, that, and was, that was one of the big things that I would read, you know, that during the course of, you know, what I was struggling through, you know, during the course of the season, you know, actually, you know, my linebacker coach actually dropped that on, uh, dropped that in my locker for me to read. Really? That's, that exact quote. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So at what, what point in the year? Uh, and he was another guy. This is about midway through. You know, Coach Summerall was always there for me, man. I mean, he was in my first year playing for him, and uh, he was a guy that, you know, that genuinely cared about his players off the field and didn't look at them as just, you know, uh, a paycheck for them, you know. And he genuinely cared um, about what was going on in our lives, um, how we were mentally, uh, how our families were, you know, and, and that's what made it easy to play for a guy like that. So you're kind of at a turning point in your life. I know you mentioned that you're not going to pursue football. 
And that's got to be hard. Football ain't pursuing me, man. I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm ready to go. Football just ain't pursuing me. So what's next for you? Uh, well, before you got on here, I was telling Neil about uh, this new series on my YouTube channel that I'm doing called Off Season. It's where I'm trying to take on or take out former, current uh, college or professional athletes, coaches, uh, analysts, you know, anybody to either A, introduce them to the outdoors uh, and fishing. And both of my guests so far that I've had uh, had some experience in the outdoors, but not a whole lot. And uh, I took Tim Couch out yesterday. Um, and actually he said like this is the most he's learned about fishing in a day that he has in his whole life. And so um, I want to give that opportunity, you know, that what the outdoors gives to me and that, ex that exciting, um, uh, that's a, the total excitement that I get from it, you know, when catching a fish, you know, or getting a turkey, you know, or getting a deer or something like that, um, you know, and just offer it up to, you know, so many people, you know, around the world. And then uh, I, uh, I'm trying to get on with UK Sports Network, uh, here to try to be a sideline analyst, uh, you know, or something along those lines, whatever they could want me to do or some sort of sports media to where, you know, I stay around the game, um, you know, and, you know, just try to be, uh, you know, one of those dudes, you know, that, that can report, do segments, you know, have his own show, podcasts, you know, whatever, you know, the network, you know, or whoever I'm working for, you know, wants to have. Okay, so you've got some aspirations of working in sports media. So um, let's let let's pretend that you are an analyst for the SEC Network, and say it's Friday before Florida, Kentucky, and you're on site and you're on air with, uh, say, Dari Noakward or uh, Peter Burns, and one of them asks you, Cash, why don't you tell us a little bit about your thoughts on the overall state of the Florida, Kentucky series? Well, definitely. Ever since um, I think it was before. Before we won in, in the swamp uh, in '18, the last time that Kentucky beat Florida uh, in the '80s was '85, '86. You know, something ridiculous like that. And uh, the guy that made the the winning play uh, in that game, his name was uh, his name was Tony Mays, and he was from Paintsville, Kentucky, just like me. And he was a Paintsville High School Tiger, just like myself. And um, wow. You know, and this to just to see the history that it goes back, you know, within, you know, college football and, you know, the streak and, you know, and, and being one of the longest active winning streaks there is um, so many good games uh, in those in those Florida Gator wins, though, uh, you know, a couple years before me down in the swamp uh, with the controversial uh, play clock expiring game. I mean. Uh, it is what it is, but yeah. Um, and then the my freshman year, man, I'll never forget this. We we left two dudes wide open. Yeah, like nobody even covered them. Like we should have won that game. No, it wasn't my freshman year. We got our ass kicked. Oh, four year. My yeah. freshman year. That was terrible. Sixteen. Yeah. <laughs> you probably want to forget that one. God, <laughs> I, I know one thing. Like that was that was the introduction for me for SEC football. Though that was week yeah. two. Uh, that was our first SEC opponent. And, man, I never experienced any kind of heat like that because that was the CBS game of the week uh, yeah. at 3.30. And so, I mean, I literally walked out of the tunnel. And, like, for people that don't understand, you know, as an opposing player coming into the swamp, it's pretty intimidating, dog. It's You come around campus and everybody stops what they're doing. They come out to the road and they start doing the gator chomp at and you're like, shit. <laughs> and uh, you come in there and you, you go out and they have the, 
the walkway uh, above our locker room. So people are out there pregame, you know, yelling stuff at us and everything. And yeah, I go out and I take one lap around. Uh, just I, I do a one lap uh, walk every time, every time, every stadium we go to, before every game, home or away. And I came back, and as soon as I was walking up the tunnel, I could literally take off my shirt and like wring it with sweat. Like I didn't jog, I didn't do anything. I literally just walked around the field and came back. But um, you know, just overall, you know, being a player and being involved, you know, in that type of environment and that type of rivalry, if you want to call it that. Um, I mean, it was, it was surreal, you know, I mean, it was that, that it was SEC football at its finest, um, you know, two schools, you know, that, um, really don't like each other. And yeah. it's a, uh, with really great athletes on both sides, you know, future NFL players, uh, future all Americans, uh, things of that nature, just to be able to go up against that kind of competition, uh, in that environment, you know, it was just, you know, a surreal experience for me and. Uh, I know for many players, you know, for years to come. So let's keep that SEC analyst hat on for another second here. You've played for Kentucky. You've played against all the other teams in the SEC East. So why don't you, assuming there's a season this year, why don't you tell us a little bit about your thoughts on how the players are going to be able to deal with the long layoff thanks to COVID-19 and assuming that there is football, who you like in the East? Well, I mean, out of bias, you know. You got to go with Kentucky. I get that. but yeah, Out of bias. But that's like, um, you know, obviously, you know, I was looking at the numbers the other day and they said that, you know, Florida was obviously like a 13 or 14% chance or something like that. I, can't, I don't know the exact numbers. I was watching SEC Network for it. It was actually a part of the, uh, the audition I was doing with them. They brought up a side screen. You know, it was kind of like a show deal. Um, and it had Georgia at like 42%, you know, talking about how, uh, Kirby Smart's not had, you know, these type of two quarterbacks in his system to where um, JT Daniels coming from uh, from USC, and then you got that other kid coming from, uh, was it Wake Forest? Yeah, Jamie Newman. Yeah. And so, um, you know, Georgia, they were they returned. I mean, every year, man, I mean, every, every single year that, that I've played them especially, it's like no matter what, they've always got mauling offensive linemen, you know, that just – get next level really fast and get their hands on you really quick. And once they get their hands on you in the right place, it's really hard to get off. Um, you know, they return a lot of great players, you know, Florida is returning, you know, uh, uh, Trask is coming back. You know, he's obviously got another year, uh, you know, to do what he does best, you know, go out there and sling that football around. He's got great receivers around him. He's got a great, you know, offensive line to protect him. Uh, but really, man, it, it all depends on, you know, really, you know, what, like literally what happens. And there's so many factors that go into this thing. Like sit here and think about this. They had to cancel spring football, right? There, and throughout that time, like when you're not practicing, you're still going hardcore in the weight room and speed and conditioning and everything like that. Then you had college campuses closing in general. Then you had the whole entire country closing in general, no gyms, no nothing uh, for about a month. And so, and now they're slowly bringing kids back on campus and they're having these abbreviated summer workouts where they're having to be, you know, so far apart from each other in the weight room. And there have so much, there's so many strict, or not strict. Um, they only have so many time with them. And now it's not like a, you know, the summer workouts where you'd go in there at 6am and grind to 830. You know, it's more like a, you know, come in, do what we need to do and get out, you know, get the next 
next group in and to get it out because they don't want to be, you know, in that building and in, in that uh, confined space, you know, for as long as they can, you know, with this, you know, pandemic going on. So with that aspect going into it, I'm, I'm eager to see the overall athletic performance, um, you know, of players because it seems like every year, um, especially in the SEC, that dudes were somehow getting bigger, faster, and stronger than what they were before, the year before. And it's that, it's literally every year it gets more scientific of uh, certain body, uh, certain movements and certain, uh, you know, diet regimens and this and that to where, uh, you know, these strength and conditioning coaches can literally build a team of, you know, legit-looking monsters if they want to. And so I'm eager to see, you know, what the – restrictions on uh, strength and conditioning has in play uh, and knowing overall seeing athletic performance. And so, uh, but, you know, definitely my top three picks, you know, would be up there would be either, you know, Florida, Georgia, and Kentucky, you know, out of those three, um, you know, I think will be really good contenders for the East. Tennessee's coming back, you know, with, uh, you know, with a, with a relatively young team, but a relatively young experienced team. And so, you know, don't be surprised, you know, if they make a splash in the East as well. So, you know, as you mentioned, you're retired, so to speak, from the game of football, so you don't have to worry about this. But as a former player, how do you imagine you would be dealing with the layoff right now with COVID? And from what you know, how are the current Kentucky players dealing with it? I mean, they're dealing with it, you know, as, as best as they can be. I mean, there's nothing that they can do about it. They have to go by, you know, what the uh, – you know, what our front office people are saying, you know, what our medical staff is saying. Um you know, they come in. I know that they come in in their gear. I know that they take their gear home with them, um, and they come back in their gear. I I, I don't really know the specifics because I'm like I'm still in a group text with my guys, but you know, I'm really kind of out of the conversation in that aspect just because I have no, you know, uh, relevance you know in that anymore. So, um, but the layoff and so if if I was having to go through this, man, I mean, I would it would be. Uh, it'd be really hard, you know, to deal with, you know, especially if it's your senior year and not knowing that you had, you don't even know if you're going to have a, a football season year or not. Like you're literally out there, you're, you're busting your ass on summer workouts, this, this, and that. And then, you know, two weeks from now, you know, the commissioner could come back and say, you know, there's no SEC football this year, or, you know, the NCAA could come out and say, Hey, we know that you got, we know that we've made so much money off you guys. We know that we have these, crazy ass rules for you guys to follow and we know that we look at you guys as workhorses and then we know it's your senior year and you're really excited for it but no we're not going to play and then so I mean uh just the, the fact of not knowing you know if it's going to happen or not uh would just be really stressful you know for especially you know a senior that that is aspiring you know to, to play at the next level uh let's say he had a good a decent junior year but needs that senior year you know, to or needs that. Let's say if he was a sophomore uh, and needs that junior year, you know, to be able to leave early, you know, and take care of his family. And this has been his whole, you know, plan his whole life. You know, was to go out and do this and be able to take care of so many people. You know, I mean, because right. you no, know, that I mean, that's I mean, that's why I want. That's why I wanted to play in the NFL. One because I love the game, and two, I had so many people that sacrificed. You know, for me. Uh, you know, financially and taking me to camps and combines and, you know, making sure I had gear, you know, this, this and that. It's like, I just wanted, I just wanted to be able to, you know, repay the favor, you know, and say thanks. And that's a lot of, a lot of guys, you know, are playing for their lives, man, and just playing for uh, a better life for them and their family. And that could be taken away from them. So, um, 
it could be very stressful, I would say. So that's about all we've got for everyone tonight. I do, again, feel it is necessary to point out a second time to everybody listening that uh, we've been texting, we've been DMing for a couple months and having been communicating with you for all this time and having talked to you for about an hour and a quarter here, I, I do feel it's relevant to point out that you do seem like a very different guy than the guy who tried to remove Kyle Trask's foot from his body. I mean, as as I mentioned, it is it is easy to seem like a good dude when you know when you're trying and you know that there's that there are eyeballs on you. And I do suppose it's possible that this is all just an act, all just a front. But I also realize that people have moments of weakness sometimes and in those moments of weakness they do things that they're not particularly proud of. Good people have moments of weakness and do things that they're not particularly proud of. And I've always been I've always been a proponent that people should not be judged by their weakest moments if they're the extreme outliers. Because everyone, everyone has done something in his or her life that they're not particularly proud of. And I don't think that that should define them. So I think if there's any real lesson to take from this, it's to, to give people a second chance. Give them the opportunity to redeem themselves and to, and to disprove any opinions of them that you may have formed and then if they don't make the adjustments if they don't better themselves then then so be it and I realize that not everyone is is so open to just forgiving and forgetting but even to those people I, I would I would suggest and I would hope that you're willing to at least just wait and see just give them the opportunity to change your mind don't just close it off before they even have a chance. You, you don't have to just open your arms and, 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 you know, give people hugs and say, oh, it's okay, I forgive you, I love you, and all that. But, but at, at the very least, just give them the opportunity. Having said that, Cash, again, it is very commendable that you're willing to step into enemy territory like this and, you know, take all our questions. I, I, think, we, I think we hit it, the main subject pretty hard. Would you, would you say so? We, yeah, we didn't I think we hit it pretty good. Yeah, we, we didn't hold back. Um, no, we told you, and Cash can attest this. We I mean, told him it was I mean, coming. Told before it wasn't gonna be no no cupcake walk or anything like that. But I mean, I didn't expect it to be, and you know, I just, um, you know, like you said, man, you know, a lot of things just just takes conversation. You know, it just takes, uh, you know, it could be any issue, you know, in the world, especially with the issues that we're dealing with right now. Um, you know, all it does just takes is a simple conversation. And, you know, if uh, if you have different opinions, you know, obviously people are going to have the right to their own opinions. And this, this, and that. But if, you know, if, uh, like you said, they may have a different opinion than you, but at least you got to give them that chance, uh, you know, to express. So, I mean, like I said, man, I can't thank you and Neil enough for, you know, letting me come on, man. It was, I know it's, didn't have to. You know, you easily could just sit there and, you know, hit the block button or just leave it what it was and, but, you know, it shows your guys' character, you know, and, um, you know, just hopefully, you know, people can look at this and, you know, just see me as, you know, the person, you know, rather than that idiot that tried to, you know, to hurt somebody. So that's all I got, man. Thank you so much. Where can we find you, by the way, before we head out? All right. So, uh, first off, thank you guys again. And uh, you can find me on Instagram at CashDaniel56. You can find me on Twitter uh, at cash Daniel 15 and my YouTube channel is just, you know, cash Daniel, but all the YouTube stuff, the links are in my bio on my Instagram and Twitter. So, uh, you know, maybe we can, uh, I would really like to come down and fish with Kyle, you know, I, I think, or try to do something with him. Um, 
you know, it, we ain't got to video it or anything like that for anything like that. But I think just that'd be, you know, really cool just to go out and just talk, you know, and just, you know, do something that, you know, I think that we could both be at peace with. Maybe go out in the middle of the ocean and get some Florida marlin or, you know, go to Okeechobee and get some Florida bass, but, you know, or something like that. Just, uh, but yeah, man, thank you again for the opportunity. And uh, like I said, you or Dustin, you know, ever need anything, you know, you got me on Twitter. And, uh, you know, I'll do whatever I can to help you guys out, man. Yeah, so, Cash, again, thanks for, for bringing the passion, being, bringing the, the honesty. We, we certainly appreciate you coming on and being with us, and we wish you all the best. Hey, man, like I said, I, you guys, you didn't have to give me this opportunity. You could have just sat there and, and left it at, you know, at, at Twitter, you know, or whatnot. So I'm thankful that Neil and uh, that was able to – uh, respond and be in correspondence with me about this, you know, and you, Dustin, being the host of the show, uh, you know, thank you for, you know, giving me the opportunity, you know, to come out here and speak with you guys. I'm just, I'm very thankful, you know, for everything that's going on, you know, right now moving forward. Uh, but just, uh, just like I said, can't thank you guys enough, you know, for giving me the opportunity. And, you know, if there's ever anything that, you know, we can help out each other on, you know, I'm always here to help people.